claustrophobia, paranoia, and Cthulhu's. Let's drill to the bottom of the ocean in Underwater. Under the sea. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a little bit different vibe than under the sea to this one, Alex. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. And this week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing underwater. Um, I'm excited for this one, Alex. Yeah, I I didn't think I was going to be because honestly... Neither one of us wanted this one to win. No. Uh, well, on, if we're being completely honest, all the ones we wanted to win have not. Well, except for, <laughs> except for Troll Hunter. I've wanted Reign of Fire because I've seen Troll Hunter more oh, yeah. recently. So I guess yeah. just all the ones I want have lost. That's I, true. I think That's next true. week will be different. Yeah, I actually I th- do. I think so. I think <laughs> next week is Rampage versus The Host. Our yeah. patron vote already is like 8 to 1. Um, so that... It's probably going to be going to the host, it looks I like. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and our listeners won't be hearing this till a week late, so we'll go ahead and tell you the host is going to win because <laughs> patrons have already gone that way. But it's it closer. What's it, funny is it's closer on Twitter than it should be, probably. Well, it's like 60-40. But since it, if, it, if it's split, I don't know if we've told every We've told people we told, how it works, yeah. right? But so, 60-40 towards the host, so it's not. it doesn't matter. Now, this week, it was split. Um it was split because uh, our patron vote was for the Meg by like one or two votes. And then the Twitter vote was for Underwater by like... I think it's 50, the opposite, right? 53%. Was it, or was it the opposite? It was the opposite. Twitter was Underwater. The Meg was on Patreon, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we had to leave it up to our producers. Yeah. And so our... Producer said, uh, yeah, you need to do underwater. And so we were like, dang. <laughs> yes, yes, we were. Yes, we were. I think that's just because we did it with Kaiju Weekly. Yes, that's uh, the only reason, honestly. Ago. It's not, yeah. we don't have anything against underwater. It's just, we've no. talked about this before on Kaiju Weekly, um, which we'll bring up. And we're going to avoid, I'm going to avoid those discussions like or try my best to avoid the discussions we had on that show if you want to listen to that show after this show that'd be great um we have an extended version of this episode over on kaiju weekly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean well again we'll we'll try to avoid a lot of our points from that one but uh, overall yeah yeah (laughs) it's fun um hey i did want to say a big thank you to jamie swift he is our newest i guess it could be she I think Jamie's. I think Jamie's a he. Jamie uh, is our newest um, bargain base might over at patreon.com slash pod. <laughs> and Alex, you brought up an interesting point here. Yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting timing that uh, Jamie Swift became a patron during this week. Yes, it is because the director William Eubank went by the name Super Swift on Twitter for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, especially around the time this movie came out. So, this could be William Eubank. 
Yeah, it could. But it honestly, could. There's no way to confirm, William. If it is you, welcome. If it's not you, you can just send us the, just send us just just send us a wink emoji over on Patreon, yeah. and we'll know. We won't we won't reveal your secret, but but we'll know. We got you. We got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> because we know William Eubank is is definitely even if it's not him, he's definitely listening to this episode to see what we think about underwater, Alex. You, you, Honestly, you say that kind of being funny. When the movie came out, he liked one of my tweets. And he was retweeting and liking a lot of people that were talking about his movie. And so, and he's, I've seen him get involved in conversations with people about his movie. So that's cool. I like that. He actually is like involved in what people think about his film. That's neat. I like that. Cool. Yeah. Um, Well, let's get into it. All right. Released just before the pandemic in January 2020, Underwater failed to meet box office expectations. Sorry, not a good start for William. (laughs) 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 Critical reception was mixed, but most Monster fans have had a positive view of the film. We've both watched this film and we felt positive about it the first time around, but I think is this your fourth viewing, Alex? Yes. Um, has this film lost its luster yet, or were you just entranced this time around? Mm. Yeah, I, I think this film is one that I like more and more with each viewing. It, it's, it's got this unusual honor of me really liking it when I left, and then the more I see it, the more it just solidifies my feelings mm-hmm. for it. And I start to appreciate even more aspects of it each time I watch it. My my opinion just keeps going up. It, I, I'm a big fan of this movie because, really, at this point, my my comp, my complaints are very minimal, and I feel like they're even smaller this time around compared to our Kaiju Weekly episode. Nice. That's where awesome. I, honestly, even on the Kaiju Weekly episode, I felt like I was having to pull to mm-hmm. complain. <laughs> To be honest, like that's that's kind of how I feel too, a little bit. And you know, we discussed this on Kaiju Weekly, as we, as I mentioned, and I remember speaking at length about two things: the voiceover aspect, yes. and Kristen Stewart. So I don't plan to do that here. Um, <laughs> I definitely felt entranced this time around, especially at certain points, and I found myself making more connections between the Cthulhu mythology, the mythos, and the messaging of the film. Alex, today was testing day at uh, my school. Oh. And it was one testing day. They over-test us. But it was testing day, and we had a ton of time uh, between when we finished our test and the last block of the day. And so I'm like, we're going to turn on Underwater. (laughs) (laughs) And so we just watched Underwater um, for most of the day. Yeah. And and they liked it. Like, the people that watched it, I should say, liked it. Kids don't really watch movies these days. Uh, they just like to be on their phone if they have any sort of free time. But the ones that, that watched it, liked it. Um, but going back to the Cthulhu mythos for a second, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Lovecraft's work. I, I basically, haven't read any. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know the basics, you know, and I, and I also understand Lovecraft's tarnished mythology and his tarnished legacy to an extent. But I've never actually read any Lovecraft story. So I decided to give probably his most popular one, the call of Cthulhu a shot while my students were testing. I'm <laughs> circulating the room, reading the story. <laughs> I guess it's better than uh, watching dragon ball on your phone. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't do that. No, there's certain things you can't do. Like 
<laughs> you can't do it. But I, yeah, I probably shouldn't have been reading the Call of Cthulhu, but um, I was. Uh, well, I was circulating the room, doing, doing my duty. But here's the thing. I didn't love it. I didn't even really like it. Like the writing style. It's, it's just not my style. There's there's too many, like, it's just too descriptive in a sense, which sounds weird. But it's like, eh, do I, I don't know. It it doesn't have a good mixture of tones. It's just very, it's a little bit too dry for me. Uh, but there are a few elements that resonated with me after rewatching this film, mainly the disorientation you feel reading the story. Lovecraft, Lovecraft is known for cosmic horror, or I would probably call it like, existentialist horror essentially it's this fear of the unknown that drives us to madness in existential horror right and that's what we see in this film far before the monster horror and here's the first line from call of cthulhu and and see if this resonates with with the story alex it says uh the most merciful thing in the world i think is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents we live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. And it was not meant that we should voyage far. Hmm. I mean, that, that sounds like, like underwater, that. right? Yeah, it, does. it does sound like underwater. <laughs> but for me, I, I'm, I'm far more frightened by that darkness that's mentioned in that sentence, that darkness of the depths of the ocean floor, than I am when the monsters actually show up in underwater. The walk across the ocean floor is just more disturbing to me than when we get uh, the deep ones, I think they're called, or the Cthulhu. Now, were you, did you like the monsters here, or, or were you more th- uh, frightened, kind of like I was, just by that darkness, by yeah, that I, looming sense of dread? The looming sense of dread is a necessity in any film like this. It, it was a necessity in Alien. It was a necessity in uh, Pitch Black. And so any movie kind of in this vein one thing they have to hit is that looming sense of darkness. And yeah. because inevitably the monster is going to be revealed, whether it hit, whether it hits the mark or not is, it, you know, that's a, that's subjective. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's subjective. So, I, <laughs> but for this one, I, I do, I do love, cause I was thinking, I was like, is the xenomorph subjective? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> cause it's just like the pinnacle creature design. Oh, uh, yeah. but I love, the mo- I actually do love the monsters in this film. I know some people don't. Uh, the big guy at the end is pretty fun, uh, Cthulhu. Yeah. It, it, but it's really the smaller creatures that I have a lot more affection for. Like I like the weird organism that they pull from the dead body mm-hmm. early on. The, the the first organism we see, like it's, it's really otherworldly, which is really all I want in a monster design that's ostensibly from another world. And then we get the octopus that they showed, which is pretty cool. Like just a brief glimmer of them. And then the main monsters, they're, they're odd looking, but I do think that they're intimidating. Like they've got the tapetum and lucidum uh, of their eyes, which is like when you shine a light in a dog's eyes and they reflect back. So they've got that going on. Say that, that again, really, Alex. The what? The tapetum lucidum is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing all right continue <laughs> okay um yeah uh that i learned that when i was doing 13th floor uh really early on um <laughs> so but that that is a particular highlight for for me because it looks 
the eyes create this look that makes them really creepy in those darker scenes, like when they're mm-hmm. looming from above or from behind or anything like that. And one of the characters even calls them like a slender man looking thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, which in general for general profile is pretty true mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. They, they, what I really like about them though, and this might be what some people don't like about them is that while they do look otherworldly, they do look familiar, yeah. like just enough for us almost not really, but almost kind of, dip a toe into the uncanny valley just a toe (laughs) because they do look like something that could have branched off of humanity evolutionarily speaking Mm -hmm. in this specific world and so i really think they're cool yeah so yeah like the monster designs overall are pretty great yeah yeah i actually like them a lot as well i think uh, you know, in Lovecraftian mythology, they are referred to as the deep ones. And I like your point that you made about there's this sense of familiarity with them that, mm-hmm. again, kind of adds to this element of horror about them. Um, I think this film actually is more of a horror film than a giant monster film. Yeah, I understand sure. why it made our poll. But I don't even know if I would call this a giant monster film, Alex. Um Generally speaking, because the horror extends far beyond the giant monster reveal at the movie's end. You know, we've got our characters that just like a horror movie are ultimately lots of horror movies are ultimately caricatures that are whittled away one by one (laughs) until our main character is left with the choice. Tell me you've heard this this, this story before, right? (laughs) Right. I I mean, the characters. Here's the thing, though. Those the caricatures work because the characters work. Right. You've got the driven captain, the in love couple. One of them is the frightened one of the group. You've got the comic (laughs) relief. You've got the naive and first to die. Right. You've got all these elements that that we've seen before. And unfortunately, I think the film makes the slightly, I think this makes the film slightly predictable Um, because it just, it prevents me from feeling too much when they, we do lose them. This film wants to move at a blitzkrieg pace. And I think the character development, because of that, we don't just, we don't get enough. But again, I think the film does what it wants to do. I don't think it really wants to give us that much character development because it's this this fine balance between if I'm going to give you more character, I'm going to lose a bit of this fast pace speed that we're going at. At 90 minutes, this thing moves. It moves. Um, It really moves. Uh, but yeah, for me personally, I like a film that would explore the characters just a bit more, you know, like even 10 more minutes of the film, um, giving us just another couple reasons to care might've added an element for me personally. I would say another 10 minutes in the middle third for me, um, is, is what I would like to see, but you've also got characters and, and kind of to the film's credit, right? It's like, it's not focused too much on these characters because you've got characters like Liam, who basically has no personality, but the film does that on purpose because it allows Emily to carry that relationship that those two have literally and figuratively carry that relationship. Yeah. She does, doesn't she? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I I would push back on some of your points, I guess, regarding kind of the shallowness of some of the characters. Uh, And, and, you know, this isn't super fleshed out for many of them, but I find that, Almost all movies are pretty predictable. 
so I'm not going to take marks off for this on anything like that. But as for the characters, like, I, I see a lot of personality in someone like Liam, uh, who you said has doesn't have much personality, except for I think he actually does. Like, He seems to be this really nice guy who at several points in the film puts the safety of everybody else above his. He is, he is actually, if you're uh, watching, the reason his whole suit gets damaged is because he actually saves somebody else. Yeah. Not only that, when they find out that his oxygen is damaged, he says, leave me behind. And luckily, we've got a group of people that all seem like to be genuinely good people, <laughs> and they yeah. don't do so. And that, that even when nice. he is almost, That's and nice. even when he's almost completely unconscious in the escape pods, he does not. He wants to be the last one to leave. Mm-hmm. He does not want to be the first one to go. Yeah, and he does. He does some of these little nods and things that kind of give him a little bit of quirkiness, like that. He, that he's like kind of a, maybe a more sarcastic than we get a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. That make me actually like his character, despite him being almost completely unconscious <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Which is which is really cool. So it's really the small moments for him that I really like. So I was I was watching this movie with Cece again. This is the second time she's watched it with me. So clearly she likes it because um, she never watches a movie. Nearly with me. nearly about watched this second time with me. So no, she likes it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we both commented that we like what well, like what we like about this film is like I said, there's enough character for everyone that you don't really want to see anything happen to them. Like they all seem like legitimately good people. Even, uh, <laughs> even the guy who seems like he doesn't really care. Like if you weren't really paying attention, I could see you misunderstanding TJ Miller's character. Yeah. Not, not you in particular. I'm just saying like general yeah. you, not really, but TJ Miller's character, Paul Abel. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see someone just being like that guy's, a, that guy's an ass. And it's like, no, he really cares about everybody there. Yeah, and there's that, that there's that specific line where he tells I'm like Emily. He tells Emily uh, that she had to go out there. He goes, it's like your turn, and then she she looks at up at him and goes, "What?" He goes, oh, "I'm just kidding." <laughs> and it's just like he, he knows that he's got to be the one to go do whatever he's got to do. So I I really like the characters in this, and but I will say this movie did have one surprise for me. I didn't see mm-hmm. coming. And that was the couple living, mm. actually. Because in most horror movies, the couple doesn't make it out. That's true. Fact. That's true. I, I'll concede this point to you, actually. Because I was I was thinking about your point, And then I was thinking, well, one character I think that didn't get that development is Rodrigo. Right? The first one to Ooh. die that we see. Um, uh, yeah. But okay. then I, I want to hear your but point. But then I'm like, <laughs> but you know, if we're talking about in terms of they they all seem like genuinely good people. There's that point when Rodrigo is comforting Nora and saying like, "You didn't have a choice. Like I couldn't have done this without you. Like you're the only reason I made it out alive." Right? It's yes. like he's genuinely like trying to comfort her and and help her because he's sincere about that. He wouldn't have made it out of life out alive if it wasn't for Nora. Um, mm-hmm. well, and the fact and that he, he likes anime. A- you know, so <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, it's not just that though. He intentionally takes a damaged helmet. Yeah, I know, he and that's gives, that's the other thing too. Is like he knew that was. You're right. He has the option to give Kristen Stewart's character the helmet, yeah. and he chooses to take it. And not only that, when they're actually going down, and the helmet begins to crack, yeah. he doesn't say anything to anyone. Yeah, right. If you notice, it's everyone else that begins to panic when they realize what's happening. Yeah. 
he doesn't say anything because he's kind of accepted that this is a very good possibility of happening. Yeah, no. And so, I mean, I, I, I grant you your point there. I just like, I, I probably would have preferred 10 more minutes, but I do, I do grant you with what, what we have. Uh, there's a lot there that you can dive into with these characters. So for, for a 90 minute film that has, you know, six or seven characters, you end up, you know, understanding where they're coming from to an yeah. extent, for sure. Um, now, one thing I, I did want to touch on was this idea of grief that comes into this film. Um, I saw someone say recently that they're kind of getting tired of giant monster movies that deal with grief. But I kind of feel exactly the opposite, honestly. Like, <laughs> there's something about grief, I think, that lies at the center of what it means to be human. And to say that I we've agree. told enough stories about grief implies that we figured it out. And I just don't think that's possible. In fact, I think stories about grief, fiction about grief, like we have here, and, and how we handle grief, they're probably the only way that we have to speak about it. Because all other mm-hmm. explanations, nonfiction explanations, they fail to describe the mystery of grief. Right? You're, uh, um, you, you've, you've hit it perfectly. Yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, we... we we get an exploration of that grief, not an over the top one, a very subtle one in, in Nora's character. Um, and I think you can appreciate that. And, and like what she, she's come to, to understand about it. <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense for her. And I think that kind of also plays into that sort of Lovecraftian horror element where, um, you know, the, the world that we live in can just be horrific at times and, and, yeah. and you can't understand it uh, and there's no words to describe it. Uh, but at the end she's, she's learned, I think a little bit from these other people. You want to talk about like how all these other people played into her final decision at the end. She's seen everybody else make sacrifices throughout the, throughout the story. And she, ultimately mm-hmm. she makes that sacrifice at the end. Um, and so I thought that was, that was really cool. And it was just something that, I don't. I don't think we can tell enough stories about grief. <laughs> oh, uh, you're 100 percent right, and it's yeah. You you put it perfectly. I'm not going to add on to it because <laughs> again, if you if you if you if we do, our explanations will fail. We just have to have stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those impossible to describe, but everyone relates to things. Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, uh, on MVM Plus today, Alex. Uh, Speaking yeah. of relatable things, uh, the Oscars. <laughs> oh no, we don't get we don't we don't we don't get too far into the weeds with the Oscars this week on MVM Plus. Uh, but Alex does respond to some of the the hate mail he received uh, about his comments last week <laughs> and the generalizations that he made. Um, I talk about Ultraman Ginga. You, I like how you frame it like it's an atonement episode. Oh, it is. For me. Like, I'm oh, it's, like, redeem. it's redemption. My... It's redemption. <laughs> oh, is that it? <laughs> it's a redemption episode. Uh, <laughs> okay. The arc comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wait. This is your Return of Jedi moment. <laughs> oh, no. I talk a little bit about Ultraman Ginga. What else? What else do we talk about, Alex? Uh, you're watching some baseball oh, anime. Yeah. I, I talk about baseball anime, and you talk <laughs> about your new job. 
Oh, just, just very briefly. <laughs> I don't say anything about about the contents of it. Just that there's a sports uh, book. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's over there at patreon.com slash Pod, where you can become a bargain base mite today and listen to the entire backlog and Alex's controversial Oscar comments from last week. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just enjoyed it, Alex. I just, I just thought it was funny. But anyway, let's get in. Uh, <laughs> let's get into these awards, shall we? Yeah. All yeah. right. First one, coolest character. Yeah, you know, I think you took mine. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll let you do that because I think he is the best. Um, so I'm gonna go with the other character who had a big sacrifice. I'm gonna go with Rodrigo. Like we mentioned, he. He knowingly picks a helmet that is already damaged, and he knowingly gives a good helmet to uh, Kristen Stewart's character Nora. And so, not only does he he just he does the right. I mean, I guess that's an ethical question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he does the right thing. He does, in my opinion, do the right thing. Yeah. He he's the first to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. uh, of a couple people in this film, and I. I I think they develop his character really quickly, real in a really interesting way. Um, anytime a film can make me care about somebody so quickly, I, I give applause to. Yeah. So the fact that they made me care about really all these characters so quickly is pretty impressive. But Rodrigo, like you said, he mentioned anime, so he immediately gets coolest character award. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, thinking about the characters again, just real quick, I, I don't think my critique should be that they're not developed. I, I don't know if that's a... I, I take your point. I don't think... I think they are developed. I think my critique is that I, I did feel like it was a bit predictable. And so, because I felt like it was a bit predictable, um, it was just harder for me to, like, attach to the characters because I, I kind of... I actually kind of thought that the couple would live i don't know why i don't know what it was about it but i kind of thought they they would hmm. i thought that nora would live too so that was unpredictable for me but those what about did you expect tj miller to be pulled out through the bottom of a i suit didn't but i definitely expected him to be a goner <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i expected yeah, the captain the funny to be guy, a goner the funny guy's yeah. always a goner right I, so i like mm-hmm. i expected this to an extent but that's why i think that's my critique it's just the predictability not necessarily the character development um, I just I just realized a movie we need to do, huh. uh, Kevin in the Woods, and why didn't it get nominated? That's true. Yeah, this guy. I Giant think again. Snake I think it. it maybe is. It would just fall more in the horror category, which, as I said, I think this one we could is questionable when it comes to that. I think this could be in the horror category as well. It blends genres, and if you listen to online, if you listen to the online discourse, we're not allowed to blend yeah. genres. I, I've been told that this cannot be both sci-fi and horror. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, my coolest character is Captain Lucian, though. Uh, his optimism in just the worst situations is something that I aspire to, right? Um, he's right. obviously been burned. You know, you, you see those moments. We've, we've, t- we've touched on, on grief in this film. He uses his grief in a way that he's able to almost like it almost makes him the most level headed in those sorts of situations. Um, yeah. Cause he's gotten, he, he, he feels like he has yeah, nothing to yeah. lose, which when you rewatch the film after the first time, you realize why he stayed behind yes. to send everybody else exactly. out. 
And so he's he's actually sacrificed himself a couple times <laughs> in this yeah. film. Yeah, I know. And, and, and on an, on one hand, that's it's really sad. <laughs> um, on the other hand, yeah. just it makes complete sense. And so I, I really appreciated him and and his optimism actually, and his optimism in the face of terrible situations leads me into my most memorable line award, which is at the beginning of the film, which comes from Nora, which she says. There's a comfort to cynicism. There's a lot less to lose. In response mm. to um, her, I guess, significant other who she's lost, who was, you know, an optimist, kind of a, a, a glass half full type of guy. Um, she is yeah. half empty or empty type of, of girl. And there's a comfort to that cynicism. There's a lot less to lose, as she says. I just relate to that uh, on a personal level. I think... I can go to cynical places um, just like you can go to cynical places when it comes to the Oscars, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, in, in, in reality, I can go to cynical places and it's a, it's a challenge to fight that off. Um, but I always, I want to, right. I, I aspire to fight off the cynicism because I don't think it gets me anywhere at the end of the day. So that's that's my most memorable line, and she yeah. does like that's kind of she pushes against that as the film progresses. I think, um, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> she loses yeah. everything, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine was uh, <laughs> maybe she loses everything. I, 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 by the way, sorry to cut you off. You don't. We see don't the see end. the very yes. end, and she has that line where it's like, uh, "Time really did seem to stand still." Right, which is again echoing yeah. the back. Or what, I can't remember the exact line, but it echoes back to the beginning where she says, "Like the first thing he said to me is that she he didn't believe in time." Right. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so nice. it echoes yeah. all the way back there, and you're like, "Huh?" Like you never saw that it, her. You don't at the end. And I guess it is a little ambiguous. It, now apparently there 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 was an ending originally uh-huh. where she does like you see her escape. Hmm. That's interesting. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we, she's, that, which is a good yeah, idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously she's not listed as a survivor in the, or in that, like right before the credits oh, yeah. scene, you know, um, she's not listed as a survivor, but yeah, you don't see it happen. It's, it's strongly implied. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm just saying if you yeah. want to stretch it and read it another way, I guess you probably could. Why not? Why not? Why yeah, not? Exactly. Why not? That's what these are for. <laughs> anyway, what's your uh, most memorable <laughs> line? Um, I watch a lot of anime. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good because he was talking about flash. He was talking about flash boiling and all the stuff that you would. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if I've really seen it much in anime as much as I have in comics. Like, uh, this sounds like a Jonathan Hickman comic book. <laughs> um, we're just like uh, all these sci-fi concepts, but um, it's either that or it's got to be Paul when he says "worst idea ever." <laughs> Let's do it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, he had a lot of funny lines. Um, yeah. yeah, his entire attitude is just with his like literary references that are random. I, I love those. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he's great. What about your can't believe that acting award? Uh, you know, there's there's actually several that I was going to choose from, and I think you actually picked the one I would have chosen. Again, thanks, mm-hmm. Eric. <laughs> so, uh, I'm actually going to go with I'm going to go with who you picked. Yeah. 
for your coolest character, Vincent Cassell as Captain Lucian. I think he's really cool, level-headed. He really sells that leader attitude, but then he also cares. Like he's not this cold, heartless leader that you see in a lot of movies, yeah. like where you can't really tell how much they care. Like he is, he would like he's already done before you even meet him in the film. He, he would sacrifice himself for anybody, yeah. which is really cool. And, and he just he, this actor just he just gives off that vibe the whole time. He, he kills mm-hmm. it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, yeah, Mike can't believe the acting award. I said I'm not going to harp on it, and I'm still not. But Kristen Stewart, uh, she's great mm-hmm. here. And she it's a role that could easily become melodramatic, 100%. And yet she keeps her performance grounded. There's there's just moments of fear where her lip trembles. She does a great lip tremble, right? Um, <laughs> where it's not – it's just it's just horrified, but it's a subdued horror, Right. Um, yeah, she does that so well. And it just seems like whenever she's on the screen, there's something lurking beneath the surface of her as a character. And, and yeah. you just have to appreciate that about her. It's, it's hard to um, imagine anybody else in the role that could convey that sort of like depth without having to do like without having too many lines, without having to do too much. There's a, like a silent depth to her performance that I appreciate. Yeah, she does a great job. And this is like my, probably my favorite Kristen Stewart role. I haven't seen any others that I've really liked. (laughs) But this one's great. I think she does a really excellent job. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. For sure. What about your standout effect award? Uh, I'm going to go with, I like, I like the, I was trying to think which one I want, but I think I'm going to go with some of the slow motion shots, just generally speaking. Um, I like, they're just really well done. Like the first one that happens, I didn't see it coming. I don't generally love slow motion in film unless it's done really, really well. And I think this is done really, really well. Um, because it's got water. Because it's got water. It looks cool in slow motion. Yeah, it looks really <laughs> cool. Um, and it just adds to kind of the heaviness of the moment. Um, so I, especially the very first one that we get right at the beginning when yes. the water breaks through, it's so well done. Um, and the way the camera kind of moves almost 360 around Kristen Stewart's character, Nora, is just awesome. So that would be my standout effect. What about you? Uh, mine's going to be the scene where they're walking beneath the monsters. We don't know, realize it, but the monster's arm that's harboring oh, yeah. all the other monsters and that red lights flashing. And so all the monsters just look red. I think it's so cool looking. And really, I mean, for the budget of this movie, I can't believe these effects are as incredible as they yeah. are. Yeah, that's true. Because this thing is entirely VFX. I mean, it's, it's entirely effects almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's impressive. It really is. Um, what about your, oh, that's a good shot of war. Uh, you know, I had a few, but I think mine's going to have to be it's not even that great of a shot as much as it is what the shot conveys. Mm-hmm. And it's the, when Nora closes the door, we see what happens to the outside of the, of the, the drill, I guess, where it just completely compacts and we just see it all crumple up real fast. And it kind of shows you like how terrifying in that one moment, this place really oh. is <laughs> when they're, 
Because now we know, like, this is what is going to happen if you have any pressure on you whatsoever. I would guess that, by the way, I would guess that Eubanks is a Gareth Edwards fan. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Why would you say well, you've that? you've got that moment at the beginning that is, like, very much like Godzilla 2014, right? Uh, where she closes the door. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. You've got that moment. But then towards the end with the Cthulhu, you've got that moment where Kristen Stewart, like, shoots a flare and that's like the first glance that we get at the cthulhu oh yeah that is that 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 review you know what that might be my favorite shot is that that it's not even the flare reveal it's the when there's like it almost looks like lightning is behind him and it's just his silhouette and he's lurking there you're like what is that like the reveal is cool but the moments before it are i could say i could see that someone might have a complaint that the Cthulhu is never really like clear, right? It's like we never get yeah. a good look at it, honestly. Your, your best look is when she sets the bomb off. Well, you yeah. know, when she sets yeah. the bomb yeah. off, you see like it from the waist up. But if you want a close look, yeah, yeah the inside. But I also think that's that's kind of the point, right? Like the Cthulhu is this sort of mysterious creature that almost shouldn't be seen right uh yeah. it's like godlike where like if you see its face you're gonna go mad <laughs> so you can't quite see it fully or you'll go mad so it's, it's it's kind of an interesting element to that uh entire monster um but my oh that's a good shot is actually you know Kristen Stewart when she finally gets to the roebuck which shout out to Andrew Roebuck by the way yes I know I thought the same thing <laughs> uh when she finally gets to the roebuck there's that scene and, and the, the camera starts at ground level and she's in the shower and she's bent over um, like weeping basically. And it's just, there's yeah. she, her body's reflected off the water and it's disorienting yes. at first. Like you're like, what the, what am I looking at? Oh, I see. And it's that disorientation that sells it, you know, like it's just a, it's a well constructed shot. But also just the fact that I was like, wait, what, what am I, what am I looking at? Oh, okay. Um, it was like added to the entire tone of that moment. So I really like that shot. There were a couple other moments down there when she's by herself that started to show the madness build. Um, that I think we could yeah. have gotten more of throughout the film, but I, I really appreciated those moments. What was weird, and you, you wouldn't know this since you may not have seen any trailers, is that the trailers kind of made it seem like more madness. Hmm. Like, 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 is is what we're seeing real or yeah. not? And but then you go to the movie, it's like it's nothing like right. that. Right? <laughs> I think it could have used a few more moments like that, but maybe that brings us to a rating and ranking. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll start first, Alex. Ultimately, I think okay. this film accomplishes what it tries to do. And it plays with some really interesting ideas that we've discussed here in this episode. I already mentioned my complaint about the character development, which I've now kind of moved back on. I I disagree with my own complaint. I think it has to do with just a bit of predictability. And it's probably my own issue. Um, And I think that, you know, despite the fact that it leans into Lovecraftian elements more than I realized the first time watching the film, I think it could have leaned into it just a bit more with that madness that I was just talking about. Um, I think we could have gotten a bit more of that, maybe a bit more of that with a bit more character. But again, that those are those are small complaints. I'm like pooling 
at strings here as I'm thinking about it um, <laughs> to, to come up with things. So really a credit to, to you banks who, who's watching this film, I'm sure, or watch or listen to this episode. Listen. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, honestly, I give this a four out of five uh, for me, which I think is an upgrade from, uh, that's a full star higher, a full point higher than yeah, last time. I think. Did I give it a three out of five last time? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is. I think this is a four out of five. Man, yeah, this I, is a good yeah, movie. I, Eric, <laughs> just when I think I don't want to podcast with you anymore, you do oh, like this. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> so, <laughs> just because I give you a hard time about Oscars. <laughs> so yeah, as for me, like, I, I think this film is pretty great. Like it tackles some familiar ground while doing things a bit different. And every person here feels like a character and it makes their deaths much more involved for me, especially more than a typical sci-fi or horror movie. Even something like the near perfect alien doesn't make me care this much about some of the characters that die in that. And then we get to the monster designs, which I think are awesome. The pacing is pretty much perfect. And I think that every performance in this movie is great so and not only that we kind of get the best space slash water suits i think we've seen in a movie like these things are these things are badass oh they're awesome, awesome. they're great they're and, like the terran suits in starcraft i could see that i could see that all around this one is pretty stellar uh i'm gonna give it a 4.5 out of 5 like I really like this one. I kind of want to give it a five out of five, but that might be a little ridiculous. <laughs> I want to give it a four point five out of five because I'm a I, four times through, and I've loved it every time. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like it. Yeah. Um, next week, Alex, we've got uh, as we said at the top, Rampage versus the Host. Uh, do you have a, a rhyme for Rampage versus the Host, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we should just go ahead and do the host, but uh, yeah, we can do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I got it. All right. Um, does Rampage show its age, or do we love the host the most? There you go. That's good. Look at that. <laughs> uh, mine uh, is the one. I threw this one out on Twitter, so you, you could have just stolen it, I guess, and it made me come up with a new one. But does the host roast the video game adaptation? Or does The Rock leave the favorite in hibernation? I like see. it. That was good. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Rock can the, do a lot, but I don't know if it can beat out the host. We'll see. Well, mine doesn't even make any sense because the Rampage came out after the host, and I mentioned that it was, does it show its age? So. I think it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm about to be, be lambasted. More hate mail. More hate mail. <laughs> More hate mail. <laughs> Uh, send hate mail over to nvmpodalex at gmail.com. Send all the praise over to nvmpod at gmail.com. <laughs> and leave us feedback at nvmpod.com. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at nvm underscore pod. We're on Letterboxd, Alex Cornette, and Eric Neely. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nvmpod. But if, if you can't do that right now, an iTunes review really helps. Um, we appreciate all those reviews. Thank you, and keep those coming. Monsters yeah. vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Kama Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week. 
Try, Try to, to stay, stay alive. See you. Just when I think I don't want to podcast with you anymore, you do oh, something like this. <laughs> Stop. <laughs>